Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. You're listening to Text Message, the UK-focused technology podcast with me, Nate Langson. And me, Ian Morris. And if you're one of our Patreon supporters, this is your extended ad-free version of the show. And thank you, patrons, including Fernando, Tom Edge, Russell McKay. Oh, I may have butchered that. I apologize, Russell, but don't let that affect your perception of my gratitude because it is considerable. Uh, James Cook, Richard Gunther, uh, and many, many more who are supporting us directly and getting access to our full-length ad-free show, our sister show Extra Message, which was a humdinger this week because we had an external contribution from uh, Richard Taylor, one of our long-standing patrons. Uh, and we've got a load of people listening live in our Discord. We've got Charlotte, another Ian, and Rosal. Mike, Nick, Pangolin Sandwich, Richard Taylor. It's been a lot of fun. We had about 20 minutes in the pre-show talking about all things from, um, including actually a sample of a very old podcast that uh, I I did with my brother Andy called Do We Need This? Prompted some very interesting discussions. But anyway, you can get access to all of that by going to patreon.com forward slash UK tech and joining in what I can only describe as, and I mean this as objectively as possible, literally the best thing you can do on any given day just throwing that out there um and just before we get into the news we had a lovely tweet come in actually from ben gillam a listener who said he loved the argos stuff on episode 215 you pretty much described me in my teens reading the tech sections with an irrational excitement often spending my allowance on paper round money on random stuff that i didn't need lol Uh, Yes, that was exactly the response I wanted to provoke from people. And on a future episode, Ian, I think we should delve into the history that is the Innovations Catalogue. (laughs) Yes. Now, that is a magazine. It it really was the Reader's Digest for the the moneyed uh, individual. But... That is for another day, because today we're going to talk about something you may have heard of, Ian, Disney. Uh, It's making a live action version of its Mulan animated feature, but British cinema bosses are not at all happy uh, because there are plans for it to go straight to the Disney Plus streaming platform rather than cinemas. Gizmodo wrote this week that Disney announced the move in the US, and actually that much we we knew. But now the UK Cinema Association said its understanding is the same, uh, or rather is it, the understanding is that the same thing will happen here in the UK. Gizmodo quoted the association's boss, Phil Clapp, uh, something I'm sure he's not doing at this decision, as saying... With cinemas across the UK now continuing to reopen and welcome back their customers, the decision by Walt Disney Studios yesterday to put Mulan on their Disney Plus service and not into cinemas will be seen by many as hugely disappointing and mistimed. For many, this will seem a step backwards rather than forward. Rather than playing a great new family film in the best place possible to see it, the cinema theatre. Audiences are instead being encouraged to stay home and pay a premium price to watch it. 
we will come to breaking apart that argument in moments few. Um, but first, some more facts, or in this case, conjecture, actually. Uh, the price that he's referring to is expected to be around £25 in the UK. It's going to be about 30 bucks in the States, uh, which would be expensive to buy even as a digital download with bundled extras, like deleted scenes and commentaries and stuff. But this is just to stream it. And you also need to be a Disney Plus subscriber. And M. Rosal in our live chat right now says, as a Disney Plus subscriber, it's pretty disappointing. Um, but this isn't wholly unexpected. Many films have had their digital rentals brought forwards and prices of around 20 quid are not uncommon. Uh, and although we don't really know exactly how many people are paying those prices, there there must be at least some evidence that it's worth pissing off cinema chains on both sides of the Atlantic uh, to do so. Uh, and it, I mean, Ian, correct me if I'm wrong here, but it's not like the good old days of like, it's not even old days, it's still present days of direct-to-video releases. We, we, we're used to that. We've had Toy Story and, and smaller budget spin-offs from that rather that, that they don't go to cinemas. They go straight to Blu-ray or something. Well, Toy Story is actually a terrible example of that because um, the second one was supposed to be a direct-to-video knockoff like because they do that. Disney tend to do that quite a lot. You know, you'll get a big budget first one and then they'll just knock out a few sequels that are much lower budget and, as you said, go straight to DVD. Uh, but Toy Story was supposed to follow that route and then they saw the script and looked at it and thought it was so good that they wanted to do a, a proper uh, release. So they did. Oh, that is knowledge that I did not have in my uh, uh, my my bio SSD. <laughs> the brain. Uh, anyway, but you look you look at the Marvel Avengers films, for example, they have pulled like they have pulled billions at the box office alone. The distributors obviously aren't going to lose out there because they're just distributing via other channels and the studios aren't going to lose out really because if they're just doing it themselves then they're getting a higher profit margin anyway. But the question I wanted to pose to us here today, uh, Ian, is basically how the how do the cinemas fight back because if a family of four can pay 20 quid to watch a brand new film in the comfort of their own home instead of 20 quid each to go to a sticky floored theater then what do the what do those venues need to do in order to turn the tables well make their own films do you think that'll happen are we going to see odian originals and and cine world originals there's nothing anyone can do to force uh, you know distributors to release films in cinemas really it's entirely up to them if they if, they, if disney decide that the future is home streaming then they, then it's a great shame but there's not very much you can do to stop it i would imagine that um i mean in most cases it, it, um often i think you would be able to sort of probably persuade a distributor to release a film into a cinema i think the only reason it's not happening now is because of current world events i don't believe it was a a decision taken from any other perspective i feel like it was originally scheduled a, uh, a cinema release um but it was pulled when um the world went weird um so i i suspect that other films won't be affected i think you know um movie companies want their films to be seen in cinemas uh, it's just right now it's just not that practical and they probably think well we can ride a wave of people wanting to see this film by letting them see it at home now, I want to take issue then with a question, with a comment that was made by Phil Clapp. He, he was the, the, the boss of the UK Cinema Association, uh, but specifically that he said that um, uh, that people would have to stay at home and pay a premium price to watch the film. Now, I know what he's referring to because he's saying 
you have to pay 20 odd quid mm-hmm. to stream a film rather than own it yes. um when normally a stream would probably just be bundled in with with a subscription but having been to cinemas in london in the past it's not uncommon to be charged 20 quid a ticket so a family of four that could be 80 pounds yep um so if anything paying 20 pounds to have a movie in your own home on a huge screen where at a you... time that suits you not eight forty, when you want to see a film at eight o'clock and you keep the kids just as quiet if it was a you know a mulan film um popcorn's not necessarily as good but can be perfectly serviceable and many people yeah. prefer the other snacks anyway and i suppose if you're watching porn it's much nicer in your own home rather than in a cinema where there's lots of people around you i don't know if that happens but i watched a film the other day in which someone seemed to so um it was uh by uh, someone just dropped out the chat probably just offended them apologies but that film oh they're back uh, that film for the reference uh, for reference was the pelican brief anyway um what was my point i have no idea i'm sure it was great though do you remember what my point was ian i don't actually know um sorry about oh that. i know what it was it was the, the the idea of paying 20 quid to stream a film in your own home rather than going to a sticky floored cinema yeah and i mean i think um I, look i love cinemas and i i can i can absolutely see the purpose for them for one thing in this weather they're a godsend because they're freezing and you can go and sit in a freezing room for two hours so you know it, from that perspective cinemas probably won't be going anywhere um but you know i, I think People either get the cinema experience as a concept or they're just not bothered by it. It sounds to me like you're not bothered by it. I like to go to the cinema. I think it's a, I think it's a nice event. I like seeing films in a cinema. You know, even if even with the best equipment in the world, it's extremely difficult to replicate the perfection of a, a really good cinema presentation, especially these days. I'm I reminded of the thing that I mentioned quite a lot, which is Dolby's internal screening theatre. Yes, yes, yes. We all we all know that that, that that's your pornography. Yeah, it is. Yeah. And I mean, you know, you th- think about something. Like, I mean, OK, that's a particular example. But I think about the Atmos sound in there and you cannot replicate Atmos at home properly as much as, mm. you know, AV receiver companies and probably Dolby itself would tell you um, it isn't possible. It just it can't be done in the same way. It just sounds too good in a cinema. Um, so there's a definite reason to go to a cinema plus you get the excitement and you often get to see things early and there's a kind of buzz of the book. I mean you, you know I would say I would it's not quite the same but I would say it's the same set of feelings that you have when you go and see a, a live music performance um, I, I believe they call them gigs um, some people and, even call them shows in shows really okay well I, and also you remind me there of theatres uh, and theatre productions so there's a well that's different I think that is different because in a theatre, you are actually seeing human beings in front of you perform with all of the potential for failure that comes with a live performance of anything. Well, indeed. And I did dial it back slightly, but I, but there is still something about the atmosphere. It's that that I'm getting to rather than, you know, there is, there is, a, there is an excitement about seeing a film. It's, yes. it's less than a, you know, a theatre production or a, a gig, um, but it's still there. Um, and there's and there's a group experience, which is as we know is a is a hugely important part of all these things. So I think people understand that there is a reason to go to the cinema. I mean, cinemas would have finished a long time ago if that wasn't the case. Uh, but there's never been a better time to watch stuff at home. But I I feel like that's more um, the the case that what people are doing is they're um, they're probably just doing more, which is good for the entertainment industry. 
they're, yeah. they're str- you know they're streaming and they're going to so and i think when you start to stream you know if you watch a lot of movies at home you think oh i love movies i really want to see more movies and then you know you see a film come out in the cinema and you think yeah i'd love to go and see that uh there is a cost problem obviously and you know especially uh like you said in london it's it's outrageous and by the time you've added a few snacks in and you know got a couple of kids or if you're out in the evening and you've got a family and you've got a babysitter in to look after the kids you know, it becomes a very difficult decision. And, I, you know, I'm not saying that that's the cinema's fault, but I can see why people think, ah, let's just Netflix it or, you know, whatever. Well, I mean, you're in the same camp then here as Charlotte in our live chat, um, who says she'd rather go to the cinema for the whole experience. Uh, but also, she says, if I'm watching Netflix, my attention span goes. She pauses it and goes and does something else, and then comes back to it. Um, that is from the perspective, apparently, of someone who used to be used to be a Cineworld member and would take a day off, slam the card on the desk and get them to book her in for back-to-back films for the whole day. Now, as a cinephile, I can see why that would be super, super appealing. Yep. Uh, 100%. I get that. Um, but I sort of worry on behalf of the cinema industry that the the size of TVs and the cost of tickets is just going to be off-putting to the point that people are just going to be happy paying 20 quid to stream it at, at home. And the fewer yeah. people who go to cinemas, the pi- higher those prices are going to have to get, uh, and they're going to have to up their game. So I, I don't know. Yeah, and I think um, I would say that the, the film industry probably bears some of the responsibility for this because cinemas don't get a great deal. Like Cinemas are under threat anyway because the way that the distribution works is that um, in the first couple of weeks of... Um, a, a film's release all of the profits from that from ticket sales to that tend to go to the the um the distributor with the cinema only taking money and this is why part of the reason that snacks are so expensive is that they're they're, they're getting money only from um you know the things that you buy when you're at the cinema after the first release window so if a film is very popular and lasts a very long time then the cinema will get a lot of money from that film because after a certain period of time they get more more of a percentage of the ticket sales um so if the cinema if the film industry cares about cinemas, which it should, then they could ad- address that particular problem and, and look at it in a slightly different way because obviously what they're doing is they're sort of, you know, they're making things very difficult for cinemas. But there's also other things that cinemas could do. You know, they, they could do, um, you know, as as theatres are going to be under pressure at the moment because um, they are... Um, you won't be able to have enough people in a cinema right now with the you know the distancing measures that are necessary. Um, so cinemas could act as an overspill for that and say, well, look, or, or for different cities around the country, oh, you'd like to see this London production? Well, we can put it on for you in the cinema, and you can come and you, you know we've got more space, and you could set aside a couple of screens to do that or whatever on a, at a certain time on a certain night. Um, then that might be a, a popular thing or, you know, again, and they've, they've done all this before, but they could do sporting events and stuff like that where you've got a bit more of an atmosphere in the cinema when, the, you know, there's for a football or a rugby game or something like that. So that, I don't think that the cinema itself has to croak, but I think that everyone needs to have a little think about what the options are for the future um, and, uh, and, you know, maybe work that out. But... You know, I, I I think it's a terrible shame that people don't want to see films presented theatrically, no matter how good their home cinema is. I just feel like it's a, a much better way of seeing things anyway. Mm. Well, we'll keep our eye on this, uh, obviously, and uh, and keep you posted on, on how this develops. It does seem to be a topic that we, we come to a couple of times a year as the cinema industry goes through uh, what seems to be now quite a, a, a rapid cadence 
of, of change. Uh, but obviously, if you have an opinion on the silver screen, let us know using UK Tech Show at iCloud.com. Well, Ian, in a, in, a, in a situation I love, which is where we have two unrelated stories that we can link together, um, we may already have one new use for cinemas in Britain. A top lawyer has said the big screen venues could be used as a way for juries to watch court proceedings remotely. And he's not being hypothetical. The Scottish Sun wrote that a successful test has been held in Scotland with a judge and lawyers sitting in the High Court of Edinburgh whilst a jury watched remotely at a nearby Odeon cinema. Um, and it is part of a novel attempt to clear a backlog of cases built up during uh, the pandemic uh, that hadn't been helped by apparently needing two courts uh, for every trial in order to maintain social distancing. Uh, but the newspaper said there are now plans for a similar move to be trialed in Glasgow. Um, and the lawyer who spoke to the newspaper, the Scottish Sun, said, quote, I've no idea if this is top secret or not, but my understanding is they have done a trial using a cinema at Fort Kinnaird and apparently it worked very well. So that's interesting. That's an interesting use for cinemas. Did you know I was I was called to be a juror? Uh, uh, you were allowed to talk about this? Uh, well, it didn't happen. Yes, you oh. can talk about it. It's not a secret that if you get jury duty. Yeah, um, it, it was cancelled uh, because of the situation. Oh. Uh, so I, I didn't have to do it. I was kind of half on half on the fence. I mean, the thing is, it would have been, a, it would have been great for me to do it whilst I have a job. Um, I remember, you know, when I was a freelancer, it was a, a minor but niggling worry that you would get called for it and you'd lose two weeks' worth of work, which could be huge amounts of money. And they they don't give you very much um, to compensate you for that. It's it's a tiny uh, fraction. And the fine is £1,000, I think, for declining. Um, and I remember we had a, a childminder who did it and she said if I got called again, I'd just pay the fine. Too disruptive. You know, it costs you more in lost income if you do that than it would do if you just paid the fine. Is um, is it is it accurate that if you say you're a racist or no. similar, no, you'd you be can... you no, you'd be you'd be thrown in the in prison for contempt of court more than likely. Oh. Um, yeah, I mean, obviously that the, the the court service needs jurors. I mean, it is just a reality, and the reason it's sort of mandatory and you might get picked is just you know they they the only way they can do it is to force people to do it because you want you mm. don't want people to say they want to do it it's kind of like you don't want people who want to do it to do it all right um, so let me interrupt you then so here, yes. here, here's the question as somebody then who has recently been called let's just pretend you were still intending on going mm. um uh if if they if they then said they being you know whoever makes these decisions mm. court uh, office of the court um said you can go and do it at this cinema over yep. here would that be preferable to you well, you're only ever called to one quite local to you. So mine was in Kingston, so it's a you know a, a you know ten minute drive or a. Um, All right, let's 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 pretend distance then is out of the equation. In fact, the cinema would be further away. <laughs> so yeah, but anyway, the, the experience, as long as it's a half decent 
you know, cinema, you're presumably going to have a more comfortable seat. Yeah, I mean, from, from my perspective, uh, you know, or anyone's perspective being cold, yeah, why wouldn't you? I mean, it's probably more comfortable it's air-conditioned, as I previously said. Um, yeah. So, yeah, sure. I, I don't Eating jelly snakes while making a deliberation does sound like a hell of a lot of fun, doesn't it? It does, it does. And But I think... I would suggest that the problem that there is going to be all the court services rather than mine because they've got to somehow make sure that you're um, kept anonymous. They've, you know, they they don't want people to know that you've heard a particular case, so they've got to work out a way of getting you in and out of the cinema without people realizing. I'm sure that's possible. Um, they've got to make sure that there's no impropriety. They've got to make sure that you know the press can't get to you, or the family of the victim, or the family of the defendant can't get to you. You know, it it, it could be a potentially quite a difficult thing. But again, what you get from that is you could get someone in Aberdeen hearing a case from someone in Kingston. So there, you've got a huge separation, and and you might argue that there would be less chance. Um, that one of the jurors might know the victim or might know the, the defendant. So, mm-hmm. you know, you've got there is some pretty powerful cases to be made for, uh, you know, that. And uh, perhaps you could also do it in a way that, you know, people didn't have to do two weeks solid service. They would maybe do a case. Um, and then, you know, you could just get more people because you could amalgamate the whole lot into one service um and you know do cases from across the country and maybe have it more efficient you know you someone could say right okay well we've got this court case has finished an hour early we've got this other one that's only expected to take half a day so let's pick that in on top of that one um and rather than calling in a new jury or whatever you know there's all sorts of things i can think of logically that could make it quite a good service you can imagine couldn't you get get Getting the equivalent to Charlotte's Cineworld Pass and just spending a day deciding people's fate <laughs> with jelly snakes and Kiora Orange, as uh, Nick mentions in the chat room. Yes, well, that that sounds very dystopian. That would be that would be. I mean, I mean, I mean, I know this would never realistically happen. Certainly not in the in the near future or even the midterm future. But the idea of people being able to be called for jury duty and watch the trials or the evidence being given remotely like wherever they are as a way of that massively opening up the the reach of the jury um system to to get the most uh neutral possible people or or the most diverse group of people to 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 come together in a way that isn't massively disruptive on their lives and also allows them to get through a larger number of cases I mean, I just think there are so many ways that would go wrong that it's probably never going to happen. But it would be yes. very interesting if there was a way for it to happen in some cases. Um, yeah. You think? I mean, we talked about a related topic a few months ago. I want to say back in January when it was announced that TV cameras were going to be allowed to film mm. in Crown Courts in yeah. England and Wales for the first time. And at the, at the time, I, I think it was new legislation was being put before Parliament to allow judges the, the sentencing remarks in serious uh, like high-profile criminal cases to be seen on TV or or by online audiences, um, but in that scenario, the trials weren't going to be televised um, like they are in, say, the US. But only the judge would be filmed in the UK, and you certainly wouldn't be watching it at Cineworld with popcorn or jelly uh, snakes. No. Um, but but back in Scotland, filming in its courts has actually been allowed, subject to certain permissions and conditions, since the nineties, nineteen ninety-two, I think. Um, but it, it's it doesn't happen that often, and I, I think the first filming of a sentencing in Scotland was in 2012. So Scotland seems to be quite experimental in its uh, in its approach of technology and and the courts. Very but, different um, legal system. 
Yes. Um, are you on trial for a crime? Uh, would you like to plead your innocence to a global podcast audience? Uh, have your lawyer send us um, a comment um, to UK Tech Show at iCloud.com. Please mark it for publication. Uh, and please note, if you did a very serious crime, uh, we don't want you as a listener. Please go away. <laughs> The BBC wrote this week that this year's London Marathon won't be going ahead for about 45,000 people who um, were meant to, well, do it, uh, after the organisers said that only elite runners would be allowed to take part and no spectators are going to be permitted. And instead, runners are being asked to do their marathon virtually. Now, this is a pretty big deal for charities, potentially because they're going to lose tens of millions of pounds that are raised by good causes every year. Sorry, raised for good causes by the race every year. And many of those charities have been appealing for funds during the pandemic, of course. Uh, But in a separate BBC story, it was noted that there was a plan to include this mass participation uh, part of uh, of the race this year using high-tech tracking technology to monitor other runners' proximity to each other, uh, essentially so you could have 45,000 people racing but using tech to make sure they didn't come too close together, which sounds completely unfeasible. And indeed, uh, event director Hugh Brasher said that that plan was basically made impossible because of the logistical challenge. Um, However, runners who have a place in the 2020 race... I'm a poet and I don't realise, but are not in these elite fields, are going to be able to compete in this virtual race from any location around the world and run or walk the 26.2 miles and take breaks if required over a 24-hour period on the 4th of October using, and here is the conclusion to this massive preamble, an app. Now, I tried to find the app, but it's not been released yet, so we'll probably come back to that at a later date. But I thought this would be a good jumping off point uh, to talk a little bit about actually how this could play out, because I'd be very excited to see people strapping GoPros to their heads and live streaming their own runs. Um, that is to say, um, their their marathons and not their bathroom problems, wherever they are in the world. Um, the London Marathon, in my opinion, is pretty boring. To watch uh, as someone who lives in London and doesn't find the landmarks or sweaty people particularly thrilling anymore. But the idea of watching someone jog around, say, the Cotswolds or the Orkney Isles, I would thoroughly enjoy that. I would love to see them do that. Yeah. Would you not, Ian? I mean, uh, no, I mean, I, I, no. Okay. I, 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 should, mean, I, I should have known who I'm asking that that's going to be a instant no. I, I, w- I would say that I think that the big disappointment for the London Marathon is obviously it raises a lot of money for charity. So being able to do it remotely makes a lot of sense. Um, and, I, you know, this is the sort of thing I think you could do quite well virtually. Um, for example, you could uh, um, you could set up like a, a VR kind of thing, couldn't you, where you could represent everyone running based on like a GPS location um, yeah. and, and sort of create a marathon virtually. Uh, which would be quite good. The only problem you would have, of course, is that the terrain would be different. I mean, the marathon is chosen um, for a specific kind of terrain, isn't it? So, you know, the London Marathon takes a route that is balanced, I guess. Yes. Um, not too yes. much uphill, yes. not too much downhill. Um, obviously, wherever you do that, that's going to be problematic. But you could have, you know, ev- every 
city or town in the UK could have come up with a marathon route that's broadly in line with the requirements. And then, you know, you could have maybe 100 people running in every place rather than 20,000 or whatever the marathon actually is. Um, and uh, oh, 45,000 people, it says. Right. Mm. Um, you know, and so that could be quite good. And then, you know, you could play that on TV maybe. And I don't know, have people use the app to scan their head or something so that their avatar kind of looks like them. I could see that being quite good. And then that generates excitement and people can continue to raise money for charity which is the important part of the marathon um, i just i just think i just, i think maybe we're overcomplicating the premise i just imagine imagine an app that's a bit like twitch yeah. where everyone who wanted to can stream their run and you can just pick using the gps location not like where they say they are or anything and just click a camera like a webcam yeah. thing and just see people running wherever they are ian baxter in the chat uh, suggests the lake district uh, and indeed running around cumbria would be lovely although it's very mountainous but you could also stop off at the keswick pencil museum which is one of the best museums in the world particularly if you want to stand next to the world's largest functioning pencil um but i just think the idea of being able to tune into people running in interesting locations is just really lovely really lovely yeah um it is no i completely agree yeah i mean there's lots of yeah. places outside london that are, that are good for running so yeah absolutely i i would uh 100 support that could do a global marathon with people in all over the world doing it at the same time uh charlotte said the change to reddit a little while ago saw the inclusion of these live videos and she says she's been really enjoying people filming their walks around the world during lockdown and that reminded me that i did wonder about streaming my walks with uh the dog bruce the dog the forest yeah put a little camera on brucey uh nick asks in the chat would it stop working if you went to the toilet well if we think back to paula radcliffe's unfortunate incident if the camera was mounted on the head and was pointing forwards unless you had a really bad stomach i don't think it could be seen what you were doing if you went to the toilet while running I suppose it depends on the disastrous nature of how you ate the night before, but I can't see that being a massive problem. Well, sometimes marathons sort of cause problems. That's that. I think that's probably more the issue than what you had to eat. It's, uh, you know, it's that marathons are quite bad for the human body. They cause all sorts of problems, including um, your bladder rubbing against itself and bleeding, um, uh, nipples that are, are damaged. It's quite bad. I mean, wasn't the original, um, like the original uh, marathon back in the day, was that somebody was sent to announce something about a, a war or something, and he ran twenty-five miles and then died, collapsed and died, and that surely is a signifier that you know running a marathon can be fatal. It, oh, it yeah. is a historically fatal event and therefore the human body really shouldn't probably be doing it yeah that's absolutely right uh yeah i mean people people sadly die or are hospitalized every year from doing a marathon um mm. I, I really i uh i yeah it, it seems like a stupid amount of running to do to me uh and i don't think there's anything in the world that would persuade me to do it oh well, um, I, hats off to those who do and complete it, because um, if if I come across as dismissive of your achievements, it is mainly jealousy, uh, because <sighs> I could not run 26 miles. No, me neither. Nor do, do I, exactly you know, what I'm saying. I am very respectful of those people and their abilities. Yes. Uh, you have legs of legend. Uh, I like that, Le- because leggings. the word leg is in legend. Thank you. 
exactly yes um are you a pair of legs are you attached to the body of a sentient being that has a comment about the story we just discussed uh, do let us know uh, using your good friend uh, the hands uh, by typing <laughs> to uk tech show at icloud.com uh, if you can type with your feet i mean pl- f- feel free you're used to hearing the smooth, velvet sound of Nate's voice drizzled over your ears like a warm eardrum syrup, topped off with the freshly squeezed citrus tang of an Ian Morris opinion. Supporters of the show at patreon.com forward slash UK tech enjoy second helpings every week. So pull up a chair, find your nearest spoon and tuck into a sumptuous extra helping with no commitment. If you have any allergies, please inform a waiter. Now, we had a message from Al Struthers. It was very insightful, but it's also quite long. So we're going to talk about that next week. But hello, Al. We have got your message and we're going to come to it because it was great. Uh, But we're going to come to it next week because we are running a little long this week. Uh, We do still just have time to hear from the wider world of tech news via the conduit known as Mr. Tom Merritt. Uh, our wonderful bearded brother from another mother overseas. Uh, And here he is to tell us what's been happening in that wider world of tech over the last week. This week on Daily Tech News Show, it was not all about TikTok. We talked about Adobe leading the charge for an open source way to prevent photo manipulation. Amber Mack talked to us about using robots to make cows happier. Microsoft, Facebook, and Apple got in a tiff about streaming game services in the App Store. Samsung launched beautiful products, the Note 20, some new tablets, both foldable and not... But mostly we talked about TikTok from Microsoft possibly acquiring some of it to the president of the United States issuing an executive order banning transactions with both TikTok and WeChat. Is the splinter net real? Join us and find out. DailyTechNewsShow.com. I do love Tom's description of making cows happier using technology because the image in my head was probably not the one he intended. (laughs) I don't think the image in your head is ever what anyone intends. Perhaps not, uh, but it was a good it was a good section um, talking about uh, about that and reminded me a little bit of when I did that piece about facial recognition technology for cows, which we used on the show uh, a couple of years back. Uh, DailyTechNewsShow.com if you want to go and hear that. That's it. Uh, we have an extra message out from Richard Taylor, uh, one of our most regular uh, patrons, or certainly longest standing patrons, who uh, who gave us some great insight from the ground of Northern Ireland, which has just launched its contact tracing app. So it was a first. In 41 episodes of Extra Message, our sister show, it's the first time we've had one contributed entirely um, by someone who wasn't a host of the show. So that's out on the feed for patrons now. And we also had a, a, a great extended uh, edition of the show this week, which is available, of course, to our patrons at all levels. Ian, uh, I assume... You're still clothed, unlike last week? I did indeed take my trousers off. I've done the entire show with no trousers it's on. too hot. It's too it hot. It is, isn't it? And unfortunately, because of the time we feel, we record... Feel, so because of the time we record this, it's when the sun is streaming in the window beside me, so it's obviously much hotter. We should do it at 9am. 
I, I, we used to do you remember we did do the podcast in the past in the in the mornings and it was lovely yeah i used to love i used to love doing that it was it was great yeah it was very nice it was today i'm actually i mentioned this in our pre-show chat um i'm actually wearing a t-shirt that a uh, a listener sent to me uh he he runs a website called don't feed the bears it's not an ad he just sent me a T-shirt, and I liked it, so I mentioned them. And uh, one of our one of our patrons bought one. Oh, nice! Um, but that, that is the only piece of clothing I am currently wearing, um, which may make him feel very um, cozy inside or, or revolted, it, or slightly repulsed. Exactly, yeah. yeah. Um, but uh, anyway, either way, we're going now. So thanks, everyone. Goodbye. <laughs>